Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ankabut, as for those who strive for our sake, we shall surely guide them to our ways. And Allah is with those who have sabr. We've come to the end of the Ramadan journey. And we've been led by the compassionate hand of Ar-Rahman to tread through this strange and difficult land. And we've reached the land on the other side because life is in cycles and circles. After every spring, there is the autumn. After every autumn, there is the spring. After every sunset, there is the sunrise. After every day's fasting, there is iftar. After Ramadan, there is the Eid. And it is a time when Allah wishes the believers to be joyful. Not because we have just completed some kind of endurance event, some sort of pentathlon, and we cheer ourselves and praise each other and strut around with our gold medals. No, on the contrary, this is not a time for pride, it is a time for gratitude. But for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help, in these times of abstention, we would have achieved nothing at all. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us good news. He tells us that he is with the sabirin. Inna allaha ma'a sabirin that despite days of abstaining from some of the most fundamental of our needs, something that no animal could ever achieve willfully, animals are just there munching like a sheep, spending its life looking down, munching at the grass. Human beings are capable of looking up. And that is what makes us human beings. This is what makes us Allah's khulafa. This is why he says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, laqad karramna bani adam. We've ennobled the descendants of Adam, not because we just munch from pleasure to pleasure. Ah, here is my new car. Here is my fancy holiday. Here is my swanky salary. I'm sitting back and enjoying the spectacle of my bank balance or whatever it is that is the human munching of the boring old grass of dunya. Instead, Ramadan tells us that we can look up. Unlike anything else in creation, we can say no to our passions six, seven, eight million species on earth, only one can do that. We read this in the Eid prayer. Successful is he who purifies himself. And he also says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, qad aflaha man zakkaha wa qad khawba man dasaha. He who purifies it has triumphed. He who smudges it, abases it, uh, is betrayed. And this is the way of human beings. And this is the reality of our lives. It's what doesn't appear in our CVs, but it is that for which we are judged. Whether we can look up from our pleasures and see the heavens and feel ourselves rising and defying that law of gravity which has everything else in this dunya in this world of mulk wa shahada, in its inescapable grasp. We can rise up, we can fly, to be like the angels for those few short hours. And this is the great lesson that Ramadan has inescapably taught us, that we can do it. Sometimes we think, the ego is too strong, my passions are too strong, I like this pleasure, I like that pleasure, it's what I live for. And Allah is ghafoor rahim if I just munch on grass once more, he will forgive me, but Ramadan teaches us that we can do better than that. We can embark on this difficult test 
from dawn till dusk, maybe 18 hours without a drop of water and without uh, a single bite of bread. We can do it. There is no more precious lesson in life than this joyful realization that we can do it with Allah's help. This is his ma'ayya, inna allaha ma'as-sabirin, but we can do it. So as we rejoice on the day of Eid, the reason for the rejoicing is that we know that we can look up. We can say no to those pleasures, even the most fundamental of pleasures, we can say no to them. And we get something better in their stead, something sweeter. Worldly pleasures, if we overindulge only a little bit, really all turns to ashes in our mouths. Huh? But that never happens when one is working for the akhirah. The more prayers, the sweeter we feel. The more Qur'an, the sweeter we feel. At the end of the day's fasting, how sweet we feel. Ah, this is Allah's lesson for us. Seek pleasure, by all means. Allah wishes us to be happy. He's calling us to happiness, to sa'ada. But the real pleasure, which is the pleasure of the ruh, that which is truly ourselves, and not the pleasures of the nafs, which is the monkey or the pig or the donkey within. Don't feed that. Feed the spirit. This is why we are joyful on the Eid. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with his help, has taken us by the hand and led us to this joyful day and taught us this precious lesson. These barakat that come from all of these outward actions. Harakatul zawahir tujibu barakati sara'ir. The outward actions in obedience necessarily bring about blessings in the interior. Even if we think our prayers are so absent-minded and so many of the things we do are so polluted and we are ashamed to present them to the Lord of the world, still, just having had our outward aspects adorned by these beautiful prophetic things and avoiding other things that we could be doing, that brings about a light in our souls. And this is another reason why we are joyful. And this is, as I've said, the most important lesson. Because what did the Holy Prophet وسلم, who loved his ummah, who loved us so much and will love us at the Yawm Al-Qiyamah when he intercedes for us, uh, when everybody else is saying, nafsi, nafsi, myself, myself, he goes before the throne of the Lord of the world in that terrifying place and he pleads for his ummah. This is his love for us وسلم, And what he feared most for us it was not this conspiracy or that conspiracy or this earthquake or that natural disaster, but rather the nafs. He says, Your worst enemy is yourself that is within your two sides. That's what's going to take you into misery and into shame and into vice and into unhappiness and into a fiery outcome after the curtain of death is parted. It's within yourself. Stop blaming others. Sometimes you recognize there are faults in others, but if your instinct is to say, ah, oh, this is from me, then you are starting to respond to this prophetic uh, summons. He said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the thing I fear most for my ummah is following one's own whim. I just feel like doing this. On a whim, I'm going to do this. Uh, another cake, another car, another lie, another illicit glance, whatever it is that the nafs craves in that particular moment. And in every moment it has its 
cravings uh, uh, go against that. Disobey it. Be triumphant over it. Plunge into that battlefield with your red sword. Stab it to death. The shaitan that is sitting on the throne of your heart where only the Lord of the world should be. Drive him out. And then see what sort of person you will be. The kind of person people love. Somebody who is in a state of serenity. And this tall and amal thinking about, oh, I won't think about my akhirah, but let me plan for the next 10 years, the next 20 years, and I'll worry about this and hope for that. And that's just dreaming about the future, which is in Allah's hands. We tie up our camels, but we trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, So he explains this hadith. Following the hawa, the, the, the preference, the whim, the little blowing of the random desires within us, uh, obstructs you from the truth. Why? Because it's not about truth, it's about your biology. It's about your animal nature. It's about hormones, it's about things that you are not proud of. As for long hopes, they make you forget the akhirah. You could die tomorrow. Any of us might not live to see the maghrib of this day. We might leave the prayer happy and the bus might roll over us or our hearts might stop beating. We all know this has happened to people we know. Every breath we take, every heartbeat that is unobserved without gratitude within us is a divine gift and it could stop at any moment. Some of us who are here will not be here for the Eid next year. Almost certainly, on the, by the law of averages, so for some of them this is their last Eid. For others there may be 50 Eids. This is in Allah's knowledge and we do not know where our Ajah will take us, but we need to recall as we stand before the Lord of the worlds and he gives us chance after chance after chance to say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen and with our Allahu Akbar we are as it were pushing behind ourselves all of those stupid things. This great gift, five times a day we say Allahu Akbar and behind us we push all of the rubbish because Allah alone is great. Allahu Akbar, he is greater than what? Than everything. You don't even need to say greater than as you do with anything else, he is greater. And this is what we do when we make our wudu and we cleanse those limbs that have been doing those bad, stupid things and we wash the mouth that has been saying those ugly, filthy things and we cleanse ourselves and we face the Lord of the world. This is his gift to us. Make of this opportunity what you will. You can go into autopilot and not think about anything and then say, Allahu Akbar, you don't really mean it. Or you can make yourself uh, master of the situation and avail of this wonderful opportunity. So this again is good news. But the Qur'an, Allah's book, revealed in the month of Ramadan, can be seen as the story of this great battle. Yes, it's the story of the battle between light and darkness, between truth and falsehood, between God's law and human whim, but it's also the story of the battle between the ruh and the nafs, this, as it were, greatest battle according to the hadith. Each one of those prophetic stories is a retelling of a battle that happens within each one of us every day of our lives. There is Musa and there is Fir'aun. There is Ibrahim and there is Nimrod. There is Noah, and there are those who laughed at him and his disobedient son. There is this opposition. Those who look up 
and follow the light, and those who look down and prefer just one more munch of the grass of the dunya. This is the real story of human beings. This is what matters, because this, this is the story between our animal nature and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls us to be, those beings to whom which the angels can bow down, that great mystery with which Allah's book begins. How can they bow down? Not to the munching, not to the hawa, not to the nafs amara bisuq, but rather to that thing which Allah says, We have breathed into him something of our spirit, the noble part of us. So this is, in a sense, how we should be reading Allah's book. But even the Anbiya, alayhim wasalam, they are human. They are not kind of passionless uh, beings, unlike the rest of us. Look at the story, for instance, such a beautiful story, of Sayyidina Yusuf, alayhi salam. You can read it as a story of the battle between the soul and the ego, between the upper and the lower aspects. When they tell their story to their father, and the brothers have been telling this very ugly, disgraceful lie, sibling abuse, and they tell the lie to the father, he says, Your egos have uh, deluded you into this thing. So sweet patience. How does he deal with this? How do we deal with our egos? How do we deal with the egos of others? We can lash out like little children because we've got no sabr, or we can control it. Somebody jostles you on the hajj. You can jostle back, or you can say, may Allah bless you, brother. And that is when the spirit prevails over the ego. And so it is in all of our human interactions. And then in that great mysterious test in the life of Sayyidina Yusuf salam, who is in the land of paganism in Egypt all alone, the solitary monotheist, a slave owned by a pagan uh, in the state apparatus of pharaonic Egypt. His master's wife suggests the unsuggestible to him. Uh, difficult situation. But what does he do? Mm -hmm. What does he do in that situation? She in whose hand he, in whose house he had settled sought to tempt him from himself. She locked the doors and she said, come on. This is a situation of domestic abuse. People abuse the weakness and the dependence of employees, of servants, of maids. It's an ancient story and here it is to God's prophet all alone as a monotheist in the land of Egypt. But he says, Allah. Allah is my refuge. This is his impulse. But, He considered her, she considered him, but for the fact that he saw the proof of his Lord and the ulama have different explanations for that. So, even the Anbiya, they're human. When we read their stories, we realize these are also human beings. Uh, these are not kind of detached angels with no impulses, with no humanity. And this is part of the beauty of the Qur'an. We can relate to these stories. But in these stories, 
we are told that the real champion, the hero, the warrior, is the one who, like a true man or a true woman, rises above these impulses rather than saying, oh yes, all right, I'm weak. Allahu ghafoorur rahim. Allah is forgiving. I'll make tawbah, I'll do a hajj, I'll give sadaqah, whatever it is that we do to try and give some kind of ugly religious legitimation to something which is a defiance of the Lord of the worlds. So as we read the Quran, we should apply all of these stories to ourselves. Within each one of us, there is an Ibrahim and there is an Imrod. There is a Musa and there is a Fir'aun. Every day of our lives, in every moment, we can choose to do the beautiful thing or we can choose to do the ugly thing, even if the ugly thing is just wasting time, killing time with daydreaming. So the poet says, فَإِنَّ أَمَّارَتِي بِالسُّوءِ مَا تَعَضَتْ مِنْ جَهْلِهَا بِنَذِيرِ الشَّيْبِ وَالْحَرَمِ مَلِّي بِرَدِّ جِمَاحٍ مِنْ غَوَايَتِهَا كَمَا يُرَدُّ جِمَاحُ الْخَيْلِ بِاللُّجُمِ So the poet is saying, that part of me which is constantly inspiring me to do evil is not listening to my sermons because of its ignorance and doesn't listen to the sermon of my greying hair and my stooped back. Even that sermon is not going to stop it from following its own inclinations. Who is going to help me control this stallion that is running away beneath me? Huh? Where are the reins that will hold back the stallion of my ego? فَلَا تَرُمْ بِالْمَآصِي كَسْرَ شَهْوَتِهَا إِنَّ الطَّعَامَ يُقَوِّ شَهْوَةً نَهِمِ Don't think that by eating a bit more you will defeat the appetite uh, because uh, food as regularly imparted simply increases our appetite. The more you have today, the more you'll have tomorrow until you become like most of us nowadays, overweight and then ibadah is harder, then you have heart difficulties, diabetes, all of these things. Again from the nafs and Allah's blessing is that he's calling us to something better than this. The nafs, the ego, is like a, a baby. Hmm? If you ignore it, if you just leave it alone, it will just continue to, to drink the breast milk. Uh, it's only when you impose on it the pain of weaning that it grows up. This is how we have to be. We can't be children constantly looking for treats. We have to be able to say no. The great lesson of Ramadan. And another poem, poem says very beautifully, in order to console us when we are saying no, and momentarily we feel sad that we haven't got that pleasure. Ya nafsu illam tazfari la tajza'i wa ila mawa'idi judi mawla kihra'i wa la in ta'akhara matlabun fala rubbama fi thalika ta'akhiri kullu matma'in wa la in bada min natiqi al-wijdani ma yad'uki lil-ya'si al-dhamim al-ashna'i فاستيقظي من نومة الغفلات وليكن الرجا لك مرتعا فيه ارتعي إن العطاء امداده متنوع يا حسن هذا كالعطاء المتنوع وردوا على نهر الحياة وكلهم شربوا وكم في الركب من متضلعي حاش الكريم أن يردهم عطشا وقد وردوا وأصل الجور من ذا المنبعي يا رب لي ظن جميل وافر قدمته أمشي به يسعى معي كل الذي يرجون فضلك أمطروا حاشاك أن يبقى هشيما مربعي 
This is a poem in which the poet who lived in Yemen 300 years ago, may Allah, inshallah, heal the hearts of the people of Yemen, but the poet is saying, speaking to his nafs, O oh my nafs, O oh my soul, if at first you don't get what you want, don't panic, but hasten to the banquet which your Lord has made ready for you. And if something for which you're asking proves slow to come, then know that very often in that slowness are the best gifts received. And if there should come from your lower self, from your inwardness, something that is calling you to that horrible condition of despair, we might nowadays say depression, then wake up from the slumber of heedlessness uh, and make hope your pasture which you never leave. For your maker's gift takes subtle and uncounted forms. How beautiful is the huge range of the gifts that he gives. The people came to the water of life and all of them entered it and how many there were who were drinking deeply from that water. How unlikely it is for the one who is Al-Kareem, the generous, to leave them thirsty when the basis of all generosity in the world is from his spring. So it's good news. If we say no to that pleasure, Allah will give us greater pleasures. Don't think that his storehouses will ever run dry. If you say no to a human being, maybe he never will give you something. His resources are finite. Uh, but if you say no to the ego, Allah will give you more. Because his storehouses are infinite and never run dry. So in this joyous day of Eid, let us remember this blessing. The great gift of knowing that with Allah's help we can say no to that within us which just munches and indulges and leads to all of the problems in our lives. Uh, and that we can say yes to the voice of Al-Haq, Ta'ala, and we can rise up and we can become stronger and better and we can walk tall as Allah's khulafa on this earth. Let us learn this lesson, insha'Allah. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.